feel as if the place God has you serving it in is a privilege or is it an obligation? I would say if you feel that it's an obligation, maybe you get on your face before the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me, remove me from that position until you can get things right with him. Most of the time when it's an obligation, it's because something's missing in our spiritual life. I'm not saying it's going to be easy serving the Lord, but it, it, it should never, ever feel like, ah, oh, i got to do this again. I gotta do this again. Serving God can be very hard. It often means going to undesirable places and doing things that are completely selfless. In many cases throughout history, following Jesus has led to persecution and even death. Yet so many of those believers, even in the middle of painful torture or execution, were filled to overflowing with a supernatural joy. In today's message, Pastor Mark challenges us to examine our own walk with God. Are we following Him joyfully, ready and willing to endure the social or physical persecution? Or are we begrudgingly going through the motions, simply for the eternal benefits? Well, let's open our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 2 and join Pastor Mark with today's edition of Come Alive. When we pray, there are certain things we should really consider when we pray. Is it just a request? And what does that request look like? Well, are we requesting those things? Is it, you know, does it go back to, well, when I pray, is this going to accomplish God's will, what I'm requesting? Will it accomplish God's will? Will it exalt God? And, and is it the will of God? Is my request to the Lord all those things? And if they are, then you probably got a pretty good prayer going on. Oh yeah, we have needs. We have wants. And there's nothing wrong with laying those out. But for the main part, are we thinking about how this is going to further God's kingdom this prayer request, is this part of God's will? And it's important for us to consider those things. And so again, do your prayers burn with a sweet-smelling aroma of wanting to accomplish God's will to further his kingdom or serve his people? Is that what your request is all about? Is that what you're offering? What are you offering to the Lord? All of you, some of you, a portion of you, a little bit, Sunday mornings, what are you giving to the Lord? Then there's the ephod. He talks about the ephod, the priestly clothes. That's what separated. When you walked into the temple, that's how you would know who the priest was. He was wearing a different set of clothing than most people. It was kind of a tight-fitting long robe, a vest, priestly clothes. It separated them and allowed them to be identified as the priest. The word priest just means bridge builder. Priest means bridge builder. You just A bridge does what? It connects a gap. There's a gap. You drive down I-10, you'll see a couple of them. Without them, you wouldn't be able to get across. And so, do people see us clothed in the priestly garment of righteousness? Well, when somebody looks at you and you say, yeah, I'm a Christian, do they, do they, do they kind of have a look on their face like, really? Or are they like, oh, I can see that. 
Or do they just come out and ask, hey, man, are you religious? Uh, Because by the way you act, you're a little different than most people that I know or hang out with. There's something different about you. Are you clothed in that garment of righteousness? Can you be identified as a Christian, a servant of the Lord, eating and enjoying what the Lord provides for you? Doing the things that he's given you to do? Or do they see us scratching and clawing our way for more? What do they see? And so the why, if you're taking notes, is here in verse 29. It says right in the beginning, Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place? And honor your sons more than me to make yourselves fat with the best of all offerings of Israel, my people. So the why in verse 29 and the therefore in verse 30. And so again, here in verse 27 and 28, if you're taking notes, this would be also, you could say the rehearsal of grace. If you look at it, he's kind of rehearsing something given the rehearsal of grace. The prophet tells of a previous grace given. And we see that he deals with the past and he reminds Eli that his position is a gift from God. Do you know your position as a mom and a dad, as a servant here at this church? The, the place where he has you is, is a gift from God. Maybe even your job is a gift from God. And if you can say yeah to that, then I would have to ask to some of those who work so much that have no quiet time and have no prayer time and have fallen away from attending church and doing things like that, then how is that a real gift from the Lord if it takes you away from the things of the Lord? I really, truly, how is it? Why would God give you something that pulls you away from him? Why would a parent say, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and let you have a new mom and dad. That's how much I love you. Go on. We'll see you. That would never happen. So you, you got to look at it. Is, is your job really a gift or have you began to abuse that blessing? Have you used it to scratch and gain for more? And so, again, there's this previous grace he talks about. He says, I'm going to go ahead and deal with the past and remind Eli that his position is a gift of grace, but that position was given way back when to Aaron in the priesthood and passed down to the eldest son. So do you feel as if the place God has you serving in is a privilege or is it an obligation? I would say if you feel that it's an obligation, maybe you get on your face before the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. Remove me from that position until you can get things right with him. Most of the time when it's an obligation, it's because something's missing in our spiritual life. I'm not saying it's going to be easy serving the Lord, but it, it, it should never, ever feel like, oh, I've got to do this again. i got to do this again. The mornings I wake up and I think, oh, i got to do this again, are the mornings I have to really say, Lord, you know what? Is today you pull me, pull me out of that spot? I tell my guys all the time, hey, have a message ready. You never know. You never know if I'm sick or maybe that's the day that I just need to sit back and really reconsider what the Lord has me doing. And so you got to be careful. If you would rather be doing something else or you think you deserve more of a reward for serving, then you're probably doing it for the wrong reasons. Be careful. Know how to cultivate that relationship with God. It's very important that we understand that so that you're always excited about serving and you can pass that on to the younger generation. You know, people, those younger kids, even in this small fellowship, there are younger people watching us. Do they see us just going through the motion? Because what we pass down to them will be, oh, we just have to go through the motion. Could that be what happened to Eli and his sons? He just started going through the motions. 
just kind of, you know, it doesn't say that Eli did anything wrong by stealing the meat and taking more. But did he just, was he just not excited about the position he was given? It just became routine. Be careful that it doesn't become routine. And so we want the younger generation because it is something we have to hand off and it is something we want to cultivate in that younger generation. And, you know, I I tell people all the time, I'm not really concerned about the people my age. I mean, cool, yeah, they deserve to come to the Lord as well, but, hey, there's a whole younger generation out there. And they're going to be the ones coming in, and we want to make sure that they handle rightly the Word of God. And it's important. So then he focuses on that present, the why, going back to verse 29. Why in the light of all these privileges and gifts do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering? Is what the question is. Notice the possession of the sacrifice and the offering. Who owns that sacrifice? Who owns that offering? God. He says, my. Thus saith the Lord Lord," is basically what happens. Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering? That's what the prophet, he says, I got a message from God, and God wants to know why you're doing these things to my sacrifice, my offering. It's not yours. Though you bring it, though it's presented to you, it doesn't belong to you. That might be a shock for some of you, but whoa, really? It doesn't belong? No, not at all. If God created everything, it goes back to that funny little story where these scientists said, hey, you know what? We found a way to create the universe. And so they call God up and they challenge him. And they say, hey, we're going to challenge you. We figured out a way to do this in less time. And so God says, oh, yeah? He says, yeah, it's not going to take us six days. We got it down to four days. And God says, so how do you do it? And they're like, well, we grabbed some dirt, we put it in this machine, and poof, we got it. And God says, okay, cool. And they look at him, and they're like, ready? And God goes, wait a minute, stop. That's my dirt. And so they can't do it because they can't create the dirt. It's kind of like powdered water. What do you add to it? Think about that for a minute. Go to an army surplus store, and they got that thing of powdered water, and you're like, well, what do you add to this stuff? It doesn't turn into water when you put it in your mouth. So, I mean, you got to think about these things. You know, it all belongs to God. Everything. Every bit of it. So if we put this verse in modern vernacular, it says, why do you kick at my sacrifice? Jesus. Why do you kick at my sacrifice? Jesus for us. And what I offered. Jesus and salvation. To make yourself comfortable by spending all that I provided you through your job. I provided you something through your job to make yourself fat, wealthy, and honor your sons by always giving them or allowing them more time with you than me. You know, you look at this and you're like, wow, yeah, that's kind of what it says here. If we took it and made it fit, the sacrifice, the sacrifice you're supposed to be giving God. And those poor kids never really see a full-time worshiper of God, right? Sometimes our children, do they? That's what I'm asking. Do they see a full-time worshiper of God or do they see a full-time employee? Or do they see a worker and do they step away from what God has required? Do they know what God has required? 
Let me put it to you that way. Because if you're working full time and you're not there to train up your children in the way that they should go, but yet they're watching, those little eyes are watching. There's a lot of kids out there that are great employees. Yeah, my son's a hard worker. I'm just like you, Dad. Just like you, I'm a hard worker. My son tells me that all the time. Somebody goes, Asa, why are you like that? He'll be like, I'm just like my dad. And I'm like, he just did something weird, didn't he? And everybody's like, yeah. And I was like, great. But he knows. He's just like me. He's my son. He knows that. So do our children see a great employee or a great worshiper of God? Do they see a hard worker and a worshiper of God? Because there's nothing wrong with being both. Nothing wrong at all. I'm not saying quit your jobs and just read your Bible and pray all day. What I'm saying is, what do your children see? Do they see you worshiping first and foremost and understanding that that job was provided by God to support your family that God had given to you to support and to take care of? Do they see that? Or do they see something else? Do they see somebody so focused on something else? It doesn't have to be work. It could be on play and fun. And all that, there's a balance. The Lord gives us all that stuff. He wants us to enjoy the things that he's given us, the time off, the the work time, the worship time. It's important. So Eli's accused of putting his sons ahead of God and is therefore sharing in their sins. You see how that works? He, He shares in their sins because he really didn't go after them. Uh, lots of moms and dads, a little kid will do something wrong. And one of the parents are like, no, 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 he doesn't deserve that. And that might be cool one time, but if it continues, you start to see this bad habit grow. The punishment needs to fit the crime. A lot of people may think it's harsh, but hey, and your son or your daughter may even think it's harsh. But I'll tell you this, if you nip it in the bud... You won't have a Hophni and Phineas on your hands. And so to tolerate sin and not to deal with it is a sin. That's what Eli did. He tolerated some sin. Uh, we always hear, oh, tolerance. Hey, don't buy into what the world says. Remember, this is our guidebook. This is our guidebook. Not what the world says. Do we tolerate sin? And how do we tolerate it? Is it just a slap on the hand? Where the kid's like, that didn't hurt. I can get away with it again. Is it a a timeout? Go to your room. Cool, there's a video game and a lot of toys there. What is it? Uh, do 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 they not shake or shudder from the punishment? Because if they don't, then it's not effective. It's not effective at all. And so those poor kids, they never really had an opportunity. And so look who's held responsible. He asks, why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering? Why do you, look at the word, you. Why do you, Eli, kick at my sacrifice and my offering? And then, in verse 30, Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house, your house, the house of your father, would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Here is where we see Eli being accused of putting his sons ahead of God and therefore sharing in their sins. And again, to tolerate sin and not deal with it severely is to participate in that sin. I'll say that again. To tolerate sin and not deal with it severely is to participate in that sin. 
Whether you're a mom or a dad or a best friend or a husband and a wife, however it happens, you could be tolerating sin and participating in that sin. You can end up in sin by thinking it very important to be nice to people. A lot of Christians think that, oh, I'd rather be nice. I'd rather err on the side of grace. Problem with that phrase is err. You're still erring. That doesn't make it right. I'd rather be wrong on the side of grace. Really? You'd rather be wrong? So, be careful because you know what? You may not seek God's honor when trying to spare human feelings. You know, if I, if I wanted to spare my son's feelings all the time, he'd probably never get disciplined because that guy, man, he can put it on. Daddy, I, it hurts to get spankings. It, I don't like to be in my room by myself. I'm bored. I'm scared. I mean, I'm amazed. I never taught that kid how to con. Now, he's pretty good at it. So is my daughter. She just bats her eyes. Sometimes and I'm like, oh, man, I really don't want to do this. And I keep thinking, her husband, her husband. I don't want that guy mad at me. I don't want him coming to my house at midnight going, seriously, you let me marry her? You know, and you're just like, man, I'm, man, I'm sorry. I should, have, I should have dealt with that when she was four. I just didn't. You should have seen how cute she was. She's ugly now, dude. I mean, she's pretty physically, but she's ugly on the inside. You know, I mean, you have that. You'll have that happen. Or the son that's just, man, the wife's sitting there and two kids, and it's like, hey, can, can we move in with you? Why? And all he wants to do is play video games. He can't get a job as a video game tester, so he's given up. It's like, really? Really? 1 Timothy 5.22 tells us not to share in the sins of others. As a dad and a high priest, he had the authority to discipline his sons, but he didn't. And if he had really been concerned with the glory of God, he would have called them to repent. And if they would have refused, he would have had to replace them. Get out. Step down. And so the prophet announces judgment. So here's the therefore in verse 30. There was no repentance, and you, Eli, failed as high priest. Therefore... Verse 30, the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. And you will see an enemy in my dwelling place despite all the good which God does for Israel. And there shall not be an old man in your house forever. The future is exposed to Eli. You know, be careful what you ask for, from God. Lord, I'd love to see what tomorrow brings. I don't think Eli wants to see this. It's not good. So the future is exposed to Eli. God had given the priesthood to Aaron and his descendants forever, and nobody could ever take this honor away. However, God's servants can't live any way they please. They can't live any way they please and expect God to honor them. The priesthood would remain in the line of Aaron, and it's going to be amputated, cut off from Eli's branch of the family. Some pruning will take place because that branch has been infected. I went out to look at a property this week. Some of you know I own a landscaping company, and the guy said, something's wrong with my tree. And we looked at it, and all my guys pointed to the branch that was infected. Big branch. And I was like, we just need to cut that branch off. But that's the branch that gives shade to my house. Well, 
in a few months, you'll get even more shade when that tree falls on top of your house. What do you want? Another branch will grow. It will take a long time, but that branch is infected. If we cut it off and put a little medicine on it, it'll be a good tree. I don't know. I want to talk to somebody else. I said, okay. Funny thing is, he calls my friend, who's an arborist. He said, we're just going to cut the whole tree down. The guy called me back. I got the job. Because <laughs> eventually the whole tree will need to come down. But he can keep it for a few more years. He loves his tree. I don't think he's a real tree hugger, but he likes his tree. It's, it adds character to his yard. But to help that tree survive, to let that tree live and not fall and injure others, sometimes there's an amputation that needs to take place. I'm sure the tree's not going to like it when I show up on a ladder and a chainsaw. I know the tree won't like it. If the tree could talk, he'd probably scream the whole time. Is there something you can give me for the pain? And that's what's happening here with Eli. The branch of that family is going to be cut off. In David's day, the descendants of Eleazar, if you want to read about this later, outnumbered those of Ithamar at least two to one. And you can read about that in First Chronicles 24, 1 through 5. So we do see Eli's family, and that's who it's talking about, Eli's family slowly dying out. And so Ithamar is Aaron's fourth son, and, and Eleazar is the third son. And so that's how the Aaronic priesthood is going to continue because they're going to take it away from Eli's branch and give it to another branch, the third son, who is next in line. So Ithamar, Aaron's fourth son, would be Eli's granddad or, or dad, and they would cut that and sever it off eventually. Look at verse 32 with me. And he says, And you will see an enemy in my dwelling place, despite all the good which God does for Israel, and there shall not be an old man in your house forever. But any of your men whom I do not cut off from my altar shall consume your eyes and grieve your heart, and all the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of their age. Now this shall be a sign to you that will come upon your two sons on Hophni and Phinehas, and one day they shall die, both of them. How many of you would love to hear that news about your children? Some guy just walks up. Let's say I just show up to your house one day and I'm like, hey, thus saith the Lord, your kid's been so horrible, they're both going to die in one day. But I don't tell you the day. Because we don't know when the day is at this point. When we read later, if you read ahead a little bit, you'll see when that day is. Because again, they continue to make bad decisions. The people we meet in the book of 1 Samuel are quite the characters. We meet a woman who gave her only child to God and a boy who heard and answered the call of the Lord. We also find a frightened king and a brave shepherd boy, both of whom would lead the people of Israel. Through each of these people and circumstances, we discover God's hand at work in powerful ways. We are so glad you tuned in today to Come Alive. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Google Play or iTunes to keep up to date with the latest from Come Alive and the church behind it. Calvary Chapel Katy is led by Pastor Mark Martinez and a staff of Jesus-loving, friendly people who do all we can to spread the good news of the gospel to all who walk through our doors. If you're in the Katy area, Tracy has an invitation for you. We'd absolutely love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel Katy for our Sunday morning service. 
We're now meeting at Wood Creek Elementary School, located at 1155 Wood Creek Bend Lane. It's exciting to be in a new space, and we hope you're able to come worship the Savior and study the Bible with us, filling our new home with praise and prayer. Give us a call for more information and directions, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Our phone number is 281-391-5503. That's 281-391-5503. Thanks for listening today to Come Alive.